Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Derek, the director of integrations at AmericanEagle.com, and we discuss how powerful marketing can cause people to pick the wrong solution to their problem, the ideal relationship between an e-commerce platform and the sales team, and how communication is the key in life and in business. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. We're just going to hang out and talk. Is that cool with you? Yeah. Awesome. Are you still in Chicago right now or no? I am. In, I'm in our offices. Uh, we're just outside O'Hare Airport. So if you're, if you're familiar with the area, Rivers Casino is like a mile up the road from us. Oh, yeah. I've been out to Chicago a lot. I think I went about five, six times last year. A lot of great people out there. A lot of great events. Yeah. Yeah. My kids right now are a bit upset with winter. Got a lot of cold weather and no snow. And they, they just don't get it. Like, why can't we have snow with this cold weather? You know, if we can't have fun outside, then, you know, it's, it's no fun at all. You can't even drive them up to Canada because the borders are kind of <laughs> yeah, locked you're, down. You're right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's been fun. I've been here my whole life. So I've born and raised. Uh, in fact, I uh, grew up about five minutes from where I work. And I now live five minutes from where I work. Oh, nice. So it's, I just can't get out. I, I live like 20 minutes from where I was born and, and grew up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My community uh, and, and school, a lot of the, we had a mass exodus uh, when we all went to college, right? Uh, and then we all came back and most of us lived in the city, including myself. I lived up in Wrigleyville for about five years, actually just before I took this job. Uh, and the, the suburbs drew me back. So I moved up to Evanston with my my wife back then was fiance and that is just great little town, but it's a terrible commute to get anywhere from there. And then we said, we need to find a house, start planning for kids and family and the whole shebang. And, uh, we moved back to our hometown. So, yeah. Can you imagine being locked in like this without technology? (laughs) Uh, Gosh, you know, so uh, when I was thinking about stuff, you know, how I got to where I am today, you know, I don't know what that moment was, but there are like, you know, it's Christmas time right now. And one of my first most vivid memories of Christmas was getting a Nintendo. And I just, and that was like the only gift I got, right? I mean, that's all my parents could afford. It was a huge gift and I just went bananas for it. And then as I progressed through life, uh, my first computer was a Tandy 1000. And I was, you're just, I was just like doing typing and, you know, nothing cool. Some maybe Pong and some basic games, but nothing fancy. And it was so enthralling just to be in there uh, and learning DOS. I don't know what it was, but I built, uh, I printed out some of these business cards. It was called D&D's Landscaping. So it was a little side job. I printed on this old-fashioned printer, and we just cut them out. I made D's on the perimeter. as Derek and Dave. Dave was my neighbor. And I used a lot of that money then to get my next batch of toys. I got a, a radio-controlled car. It was called Tyco Bandit which looks like a lot like a GMC Cyclone after you shave down the back little wing on it and peel off all the the neon graphics it had. Uh, I spray painted it matte black. Uh, Later in life, I got a GMC Typhoon as one of my toys. Uh, That's an SUV, all-wheel drive, very fast, very fun truck. But I, I think it goes back to that, buying that little RC car. And anyway, I started a business 
uh, with a couple of uh, high school friends doing servers and networking, which turned into we became their computer guys for websites. We competed against these guys, AmericanEagle.com. Uh, one of our big wins was American Eagle Insurance. So when we when we beat that, uh, when we beat out American Eagle on that, uh, this is in the late '90s at this point, the dot-com boom. Uh, we were thrall enthralled because you know here was three little guys in high school beating out like the big behemoth in the area. Anyway, a number of years later, I'm looking for a job in the burbs because I'm not living out here. And I see American Eagles hiring and I threw in my resume. All right. So I've got a question. So you you built a company and then it, you sold yeah, it to yeah. American Eagle. No, I didn't sell it. Oh, okay. So we, uh, this was in high school. We built this. Oh, okay. Uh, Chris, Sean, and myself started in in hardware side. It turned into the web. Sean and I really thought the web was the future. And we were going off to U of I, Champaign-Urbana, for computer science. We were roaming together. And we had a great time down there. And it just became hard to study and run a business. Chris maintained the business. It's still in operation today. He focused on networking. He's all about the hardware side of the business. So after college, I went into consulting for a, little, a, a long bit. Uh, I got out of that. I just I wanted to get back into maybe less travel and something close to home. And, and that's how I found American Eagle. Com. And I said, funny, you know, you guys were in my backyard this whole time. I competed with you guys back when I was in high school. I'd love to come make you guys some money. And that was 12 years ago. Yeah, I've been here a long time and I love it. It's a great company. The executive team there, what was like, your first uh, initial interactions? Did you like take them out to lunch and have this conversation or how did it? Oh, no. So, so Ryan, the CTO, he got my resume and, um, you know, he, he just knew right away that the name and he remembered it as a competitor. And he just said, I, ha- I got to bring you in and have an interview. Uh, I got to talk you through it, uh, through our company, who we are, what we're doing now, because it was very different. This was uh, nearly 10 years later. Right. So in, in terms of time frames, uh, 95 to 99 is when we started that, that business here in Park Ridge. It wasn't until 2008 that I started with AmericanEagle.com. So they had grown a lot. I mean, we were three-man shop back then. They probably were 12, 15 people at that time. Uh, But their story is almost the same as mine, right, where they started in the networking space. The Big Ten uh, conference was one of their first customers that said, hey, can you also build us a website? And we said, sure. You know, you never said no, right? And then they grew into the web. But they were able to scale bigger, faster. They're more focused on that. I got tied up with school. And what's what's like the primary line of business today? Every, we do everything. So, you know, it's web design and development is our subtext. But besides, I mean, that's how we started. Now we're doing uh, a lot with mobile, uh, with transit. Right. So we've got a, a product that um, right now there's a big, uh, big launch in Memphis the MATA system, um, M-A-T-A, where we did the POS system, all the bus uh, barcode scanners, all the orchestration of these systems, uh, including with the uh, big big money machines, so with the card fares. So it's just uh, all over, B2B, B2C, associations, government. When I started, maybe here's, here's a good little story. When I started in 2008, I came on board to do development. I mean, that was my, I love developing. I love getting my hands dirty. With, with new technology, uh, especially when code is involved. And 
when you started here at that time, you typically work on the smaller projects or even like just tickets to fix stuff. And I would just pound those out real fast. I mean, it was just easy peasy. And I'm like, what's the next challenge? What's the next challenge? And then I got put in e-commerce because that was like the big hot division uh, here at American Eagle at that time. Uh, sports was also another big division. Uh, but uh, as I was getting my first project in e-commerce, along came the White House, the whitehouse.gov. I was actually uh, President Obama's digital team said, you know, we are going to need a new website and it's got to be live by February of 2009 when I'm getting sworn in under oath. That business didn't close till October, November of 2008. We had 54, I think it's 54 business days to get the whitehouse.gov relaunched on an entirely new platform with all of their content, with all of this stuff, right? It was a monumental project. And I, and I just remember thinking, if we can do this, you know, the world is our oyster. Like, who else is doing this kind of stuff? And we did it. Uh, we had Google engineers involved uh, because at, when, when it launched, there was the largest streaming, aka town hall at the time. I mean, the highest trafficked site was that, that launch of the whitehouse.gov uh, in 2009. And we did it, right? And it, it goes back to you know, our roots in, in hardware and technology and just, and just throwing everything we got at it to make it a success. That's pretty cool. So I never, I never thought about that. Like when a new president comes in, you know, who's the contact that like updates the DNS records, you know, is that what they do that you get, like, you just get control of the domain. So you're responsible for everything there. Yes. There's a lot of people involved there. There, there's a, and I'm sure there's a lot more now we're no longer maintaining the white house stack. I should say that that did transition transition off of us. But it, yeah, it was a lot of orchestration between our tech teams, our developers, Google engineers, and their technical teams. That's pretty cool. I, I got to I got to interview um, Anish Chopra, who was the CTO under the Obama administration. Okay, so I'm sure Ryan Ryan McElrath, our, our CTO, knows him, right? Yeah, with that timing, we won that business because we told the story that you know, we really weren't doing government sites. And a government site at that time wasn't just about news and content. It was about engagement. And that was a big push with Obama. He, he wanted engagement, right, to listen to his, his, his audience, the people. And so we said, listen, we can do all these sports sites. We were doing NHL, NFL teams at that time, pro teams, before the, the leagues took them in-house. And we said, listen, if we can have all of this real-time dynamic data, all this high, high video, high, Im and high imagery going on with the sports teams, there's no reason we can't do the White House. It's just a, a, a little bit different context, right? Government versus sports, but the interaction is the same. Uh, we were also PCI level one certified. We were I think, number seven or eight in the world to get that compliance level for hosting. So that, that experience in sports, that experience in certifications in uh, networking landed us the job. Oh yeah, because like AWS wasn't a popular thing. In oh way, no, no, right? no, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there weren't plat. I mean, um, we didn't have platforms back then, right? WordPress wasn't a thing. Uh, you know, it's just everything was emerging, right? CMS systems, e-commerce systems, they were just emerging. The only real big thing I think that was around that was modern was Salesforce. 
right? They yeah. were they were cutting edge, and I don't think anybody really even knew how cutting edge it was at that time. Benioff did. <laughs> uh, he did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Harris and Parker Harris did. Those guys are man. Their culture. I've heard so many people describe them. They're like a, they're like an events company masquerading as a technology company. Their culture there is just it's infectious. It's so cool. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, as a digital agency, people are blown away that our, our average tenure is about five years, right, across our employees. Uh, we've got um, dozens of people that have been here over, over 10, many over 20, right? Uh, I myself it will be 13 in, in June. And it's because of the culture, right? I can go knock on our owners, Mike and Tony's door any day of the week and, and, and vet or tell them what they're doing right and tell them what they're doing wrong and they listen and if you make a good point they're they, they give you enough leash to uh to try things out and experiment so a lot of uh, our growth has been because of that right we, we've never had tunnel vision on, on an industry we've never had tunnel vision on a platform or a product we like to try new things see if we can make it a, a success and if we do, that's when they really, we, we turn on the investment into that. We build the team around it of ninjas. We get marketing, the partnerships, everybody involved to make it a success. And so when you look at our portfolio of platforms, you'll see we're at the top of all of them in terms of partnership, client recognition, things like that. And it just, you know, other digital agencies are sort of a flash in the pan. They sell a really great story, but they don't have the experience and they certainly don't have the purview that we have. Um, I think that's our, our key differentiator and why uh, I love working here. Sounds like a WeWork uh, ad right now, but it, it's, <laughs> it, it's just, uh, it's a breath of fresh air every day. What does your day look like? Oh boy, it's busy. I, I'd love to show you my, my whiteboard here, uh, but I, I can't, we're, we're not under NDA, but uh, <laughs> boy, an average work day. So I'm, I, I guess my, a little bit about my history here. When I started, I was in development, right? Got into e-commerce, loved it, especially doing a lot of the front end to back office integrations. So acronyms are like my world, right? CRM, ERP, AMS, so on and so forth. And, I, and I've always had a tendency or a draw to data because to me, that was, that was the fuel that made your business go. And it was very clear that companies that invested in their data content being a component of data, right? But their data in general tended to succeed more so than those that were focusing on, again, one time or flash in the pan type engagement, right? It's the ones that really did the hard work and put it in up front that saw the fruits bear later on. So with that said, uh, I was doing a lot of this integration work and I said, guys, we need an integration team here. We need a team dedicated to integrating, integrating between systems, system to system, point to point, and eventually uh, larger. They gave me a little bit of, of a string, and uh, we grew a team, right? And then I started supporting sales because you know, I wanted, uh, on the development side, I was getting frustrated that things weren't sold right, right? So the sales rep was just trying to win the deal. The re I've come to appreciate sales in a whole new light as I've become more involved there, where it's a hard job and you're competing against a lot of noise in the market. A lot of promises, again, from other, other businesses and agency or young or even maybe very developed, they just, they're hungry to win the deal as well. 
And I was always, I mean, uh, I was raised on being honest and doing the right thing and making it right. Another core value that uh, we have. And I wanted things sold right. And I, I came to realize that selling it right and executing are two different things. You have to set the right expectation up front, focus on the outcome of what you're going to deliver, and really how you get there, they don't care about. I was always particularly focused on the how we got there. Come to find out that as long as we get to that outcome, they're happy. Uh, so anyway, I got, in, I got involved in more of this solution engineering role where I'm pulling together. I've got this big toolbox of partners. I mean, we literally have hundreds of partners in various uh, acronym systems. And we can orchestrate, you know, pick this, pick that, pick that, to put together a solution that makes sense for those requirements. So my day-to-day, -day, I'm like a doctor. And your question was, what do I do day-to-day? -day? Uh, I just have patients coming in every day, right? And my job is to listen. My first job is to listen, to understand, and then it's to diagnose. I've got to evaluate what the problem is and what we can do to help them out. And then, of course, what's the action plan to execute? How do we solve for it? And that's, I mean, it's, uh, it sounds easy, but technology is making things very, very challenging because there's a lot of up-and-comers. There's, you know, Jamstack is hot. Headless is hot. There's a lot of hot things that really aren't always a good solution for everybody. Right. That's how it goes, though, man. Welcome to marketing. We got some buzzwords going on. Yeah, the Kool-Aid is strong and very tasty. <laughs> uh, so it's I, I have to combat a lot of that and, 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 and almost help people understand that, yeah, you're hearing about this great stuff. But, you know, it's if you have a cough and you start reading online, you might think I've got pneumonia. I, I'm, I've got pneumonia symptoms. You got COVID. No, you've got a cough. You've got COVID. Yeah. No, you, you've got a cough. You know, don't panic. Don't worry. Don't start, you know, buying this and solutioning that and getting in the hot new whatever to fix it. You know, talk to someone who can really help you out. And that's what we want to do. We want to we want to put people in the right vehicle to to see them grow. Yeah. When I um the way we got connected was through you from Oro and. You were talking earlier about like, you know, the emerging technologies and in, in the early 2000s, right? Because we kind of saw all the platforms. And so when I saw like that the founder or like he, that he did Magento, right? I was like, yes, this is awesome. This is going to be so cool. And so I was talking with him about, you know, how that whole project went because they're one of the largest names in the platform, you know, space for the, the like e-commerce type stuff back back in the day when it was exploding. I think they sold to Adobe now. There was a couple acquisitions, but I was talking with him a little bit about like the evolution of, you know, the e-commerce market. And I was just curious, like what, what your thoughts of Oro were and how, how did you meet them? So we're, we're a partner of Oro. And uh, so, man, our, our history has been fun. So if we were to back up our clock as well, uh, we, again, I said there weren't platforms back then. We created a content management system, which we refer to as iDev. That sprung into iDev Commerce, uh, a commerce plugin for that CMS. It's based on .NET technologies. We were losing deals. You know, you have has always talked about you know, deals you lost and how you learned from that. We, we would lose deals. And the feedback we'd get is, you know, you guys... We, we, we love the you know, client sites you've produced, but your software seems proprietary. 
and we've got to buy something off the shelf. And this is when things were starting to emerge with content and commerce, right? Platforms were coming around, Magento being one of them. And so we said, you know, we do great work. We're, an, we're a great artist. And it doesn't really matter what our canvas is or whether we use a crayon or a pencil or, or whatever. Let's start getting involved with other tools. So that's how we evolved into other CMS systems and other commerce systems. We tended to focus on the .NET stack because that's where our roots were. And we had a large team that was very fluent in that language. And the LAMP stack or PHP side was, was less prevalent here. That has since uh, altered or shifted quite a bit. We, we built a whole practice around that side of the house including getting on board with Magento when Magento 2 came about. We were so late for the Magento 1 train uh, when Yoav was in charge that we felt like we couldn't really disrupt the other SIs in that space. Anyway, a lot of SaaS systems started emerging. Shopify, BigCommerce, Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, aka Demandware, uh, partnered with all those, and grew that team as well. And I was at a conference uh, for Acumatica, an ERP SaaS-based, last year, last year, last year, earlier this year. Well, I don't know. Time's flying, and I'm there. And one of our uh, big, we're there with Big Commerce, and Big Commerce says, "Hey, I want you to talk to somebody." And I was introduced to Modi from Oro Commerce, and I've been following Yoav and, and Oro for quite a while, and I've talked to a lot of uh, folks in the industry about, you know, when are they going to like just blossom and bloom and become what I think they might become. And here I was getting introduced to, to Modi, first person, and we shook hands. We had a very candid conversation. And immediately as he's talking about their company's values, about their vision, I said, we've, we've got to figure out a partnership and get this ball rolling and start getting some, some customers your way. You know, I, when, when they go through a demo, they're showing the product out of the box, the raw product. And I love that as an SE to see like the real, real, like what are we starting with? You know, what, it, what is the value that this platform provides at the start? Not how are we going to end? A lot of platforms demo with, demo with the end result. Well, here's a great client and they don't tell you about all the sweat equity and, and dollars that, that went into making that, right? So it's a great company in terms of their core values and how they invest in their people. And I think as a product, Boy, it, it's a very powerful B2B application. And they again, they were built around that concept of B2B, which a lot of these other platforms, they're trying to get into B2B, but they're more B2C focused. Right? They're just not a good fit. So it's a great tool in my toolbox. It's another tool to get the right customer set up for success. Do you ever get to hang out with you off? I have not yet. Uh, have not. And hopefully in, in better times, we will. We're also partners with his uh, Akinio, Right? Uh, that's their PIM product. Again, going back to vision, as we've been, uh, these last couple of years, a, a big challenge in my life has been a lot of these manufacturers and distributors who have come to us and said, hey, we want to modernize. And we've, you, you probably have heard another buzzword, digital transformation, digital, oh, yeah. digital maturity. Right? When you start peeling back all the layers to get to transformation, you're going to always come back to one common denominator, and that's data. It always comes back to data, customer data, product data, order data, engagement data, content, right? A lot of data. And to, to become successful, you got to orchestrate all that. So 
when we were getting into a lot more of these B2B engagements, the first thing we observed was the product data really stunk. The, the data these B2B manufacturers had or distributors had, it's, you, you can think of it's like DOS to what uh, Windows is, right? It's, they're in the DOS world of data where modern applications are in Windows. It's that, it's that bad. Uh, all caps, you know, limited to 12 characters, right? It's not rich data. We're in the B2C world, they're in the Windows world. They're, they're modern. They, they're beautiful. 360 rotations. I mean, it's all formatted and, in the, and, and categorized. It's, it's beautiful. And why aren't B2B distributors doing this? Well, they're missing a piece. Um, one is that they've got this ERP. It's like they've been running their business on this thing for decades, right? And it's been working well for them in the offline world, taking a phone, fax, or email, right, to place the order. The rep knows the products, or they've printed a catalog. They've got all that. They're missing a, a PIM. So we actually started saying, as, as we were trying to sell into the space, if we're going to sell to B2B merchant, we need to sell a PIM with it. Or at least the concept of you guys need to mature your data to have a, a successful storefront. We're, again, we're, we always come back to we're measured on success. If we can't make that business more money, they're not going to reinvest with us. So finding the right solution and getting them to believe in it is my job. And that's the hardest part. So PIM is a key comp a component of that. We do a lot of great work with Akinio and other PIMs. And I think it's going to really help fast track those transformations, that maturity, because it's the right tool to get you to that long-term success. You don't just need a storefront. That's, that's the misnomer. That's an eventual outcome or output of the process, which involves enriching your data, building a team around it, and really thinking of your storefront as another sales rep, a rep that's on 365, 24-7, right? She's always listening, always taking orders, always being asked questions, right? Search is hugely important. The youth now is growing up with, you know, information at their fingertips, and they expect things now. Right? It shouldn't be hard. It should be frictionless. And to do that in the B2B world and make it relevant with your pricing, your data, your, your everything, you know me as a customer, show me. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a job. That's a hard job. Yeah, it's reminding me a lot of like how local community banks try to, are trying to keep up with the major banks, right? With the technology experience and then these solution providers come out to help these, because like a local community bank is not going to have a team of 50 software developers, right, to maintain and produce all their products. And it's a very special, specialized field. So then they come out and that boots up a whole segment of the market. But it sounds like the B2B, there's some, some older systems in that B2B space that you were discussing. And now, now you guys are helping revolutionize and modernize them, right? That's the intent. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, we, we've done it. And I, I think it goes back to, we don't just talk the talk, but we walk the walk. We've got a lot of success stories and customers that stick with us. I mean, I think that's our biggest testament. If, if they're sticking with us more than a year or two years, but like five or 10, we're doing something right. Yeah. I heard you guys are doing a podcast studio there. Is that so you can? Yeah, we're hoping to have it ready for today. <laughs> it is not. So I'm in my office and uh, we are building a podcast studio. One of our, um, we, we, uh, we brought on board uh, Lino Tadros. Uh, he's a regional director for, for Microsoft. Very, very astute guy. 
his world is AI and ML. It's not, that's not my world. I dabble in it because of, again, that data aspect. But um, he can really walk the walk and talk the talk on, on that front. Uh, we also have uh, an educational component of the business that we started this year. It's called Eagle Academy. So we're, we're trying to uh, you know, share our knowledge and the, the wherewithal on the different products and platforms that we service with the world. Uh, you know, forums are great. Communities are, are awesome. But at the end of the day, you do need some instruction from people who are doing this every day. Right. As much as I love reading developer docs uh, and, and doing self-paced learning, you never get that perspective of, well, here are some things that you just got to be watching out for. Right. Because you don't get that real world aspect. It's it's you know, it's how schools teach theory, not necessary application all the time. Right. You, you need to have both both components to really have a comprehensive understanding of how to do things right or, or with the tools you're given. So will it be like it's a podcast where you'll talk about this stuff, but you're also Eagle Academy is going to have like a instructor led courses type deal. Yeah, so we, when we bought the building we're in now, right outside of O'Hare airport, big part of the, when the, the hunt for the building was having a lot of meeting spaces and large meeting spaces. So we've got the facilities already set up for that uh, in-person education. If people want to come in and do that, I know it's not, this wasn't the year for that. Um, but then the studio is separate, which will just be focused on um, talk tracks, um, much like you guys do. Yeah. Well, you can, uh, you know, run, take those same rooms and just stream the stream the events. You can. I don't know. what uh, This thing was supposed to be done a while ago, so they must be putting some fancy stuff in there. Uh, <laughs> sound, I mean, we're right next to the expressway, which uh, there's a lot of background noise coming off the street. So I'm guessing they're doing some fancy stuff in there. Nice. Are you excited about like the future of technology, self-driving cars, things like that? Oh, I, I, oh yeah. I mean, I'm uh, excited and scared. I think like everybody, you know, it's almost like with the, the acronym, as it goes, with great power comes great control. As we enable machines or uh, autonomy to start taking over, we're really putting a lot of trust into those systems. And, and as you talked, if you were to talk to Lino, he'd start talking about models behind that and how we, you know, think about trust in AI. I, you know, I look at my kids and I think about how different their, their childhood has been than mine. I'm trying to keep it regular with, you know, get outside, get outdoors, be a kid, go scrape your knees. But, you know, they know gestures. They, I mean, my, we just uh, actually happened to uh, have my grandparents, you know, my kids' grandparents gifted my eldest daughter this little camera, right? A little toy camera, but she can do her own little recording and she set up a green sheet behind it. Uh, and she's running her own little like mini podcast right now out of that camera, right? Her, her little show. And, and she's seven. And it, you know, when I was seven, I was, I think, getting excited about getting a Nintendo, right? So to me, I mean, what she's doing is so far more advanced than what I was doing. And it's just going to keep accelerating, right? It's, it's not slowing down. And that's, I mean, that's exciting. Uh, but then, I, then again, I like, I love to change my own, my own oil, which my wife thinks is crazy. Uh, but I like getting my hands dirty and turning wrenches and I don't know, this, the smell of it. And then, you know, the, you know, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a big outdoors person. I love hiking. We go like constantly on like little weekend trips and stuff to be outdoors, you know, cause when I, I think that in you know, my age range, you know, I know people that are 
I have a sister uh, who's three years younger than me and a brother who's three years older. So I've got like a nice spectrum through, you know, being raised and seeing their friends and all of that. And it feels like my generation was one of the last generations being locked outside, having to drink from a hose. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because then all of a sudden like fear took over. And if I'd talked to, you know, my, my younger sister's friends, none of their parents would even let them outside. Right. So it's like, okay, within that three year gap, you know, there was a culture shift, at least in America. And um, I thought that was fascinating. I was thinking about that, like how to raise my kids with technology, right? Because I'm so into technology growing up. I spent so much time with it. But, you know, we didn't have it when when I was like super, super young. Uh, We got it like when I was a little bit older, um, like I was like eight or nine when we got like our first computer and my dad started teaching me how to do stuff on it. And yep. uh, yeah, so I have that, I have the memories of like being outside and doing that. And I think it's important to like, I was trying to find the analogy, like how to connect it with something that we've all already experienced. And one of the things I came up with is junk food, right? So like there was a time when we didn't really have junk food, right? And then we got junk food and it's now readily available. You can, it's always around us if you want it. It's always there. And some people can control themselves and some people can't. And some parents yeah. teach their kids to control themselves and some parents don't. And I think it'll be similar with technology. It's like, yeah, there's a time and a place for this. But like, if you go 100% into it, like anything, if you become unbalanced, like you can do it even with being healthy, go too crazy on that. But I think it's just putting more of a premium on parents, you know, raising their kids at a time when, you know, parents were usually both having full-time jobs. So I, this, one of the interesting positives out of the negative pandemic situation is the forced recombination of like the family, right? Like everyone being grouped back together. together. Yeah. 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 And and so, uh, I'm in the same camp as you, uh, 100%. Uh, my wife actually does this outdoor group uh, that we just got to keep the kids, I think, healthy, everything in moderation, uh, screen time, tech time, outdoor time, snack time. <laughs> um, it just, I, I, yeah, everything in moderation. And there are a lot of external pressures that, that marketing, all, all that noise, uh, whether it's the news, social channels, uh, whatever, even person-to-person interaction, right? And you've got to be able to moderate what you hear and, and realize that they're, they're just trying to take a little bit more of your time and catch your attention and, and that you don't always have to give that up. You, you, are, you, you own that at time. Uh, that's the one currency that uh, uh, is, is yours to always dish out. So, yeah, I, I, I fear for my, I mean, I, I mean, uh, I fear for my girls, I think more than my son, my, my son, he's, uh, he's a lot like me. So I, I see a lot of him in me, I guess. And so I, I but my girls, though, I, I never had sisters growing up. And so having daughters to me is just, they're exciting, but scary all at once. Oh yeah. There is a, did you see that documentary, the social dilemma one? Oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't it, wasn't it crazy about how they described like the currency of females versus males and how the, the social media aspect of how they can connect and talk about each other is fueling like teen 
girl depression. I mean, I, I was blown away by that. I was because I, I have no clue because I'm a guy, right? And so I'm focused on like things mostly as like a macro for for my experience. And so uh, to to see that documentary was very informative, especially having a daughter, you know. And my wife's a health a high school health teacher, and actually she was doing um, remote teaching since becoming a mother. Uh, so to her, this this COVID thing is just the norm. You know, she's always been doing remote since nine years ago. But she, early on in in our um, time together, uh, just opened my eyes up to some of the advantages I have as as being a, a male, right? And and certainly growing going through junior high and high school was a very different experience for me than it was for for her because of gender and. Uh, you know, as she shared all this stuff with me, it, it it's almost like I'd rather not know. <laughs> I know. It is, it, it, it can be overwhelming and scary, but we'll, you know, we'll get them through it. We will, we're aware and, you know, uh, I think that's key, right? I think it's important to talk about stuff that we feel nervous to talk about, right? Because we're all kind of connected and it's weird that I feel nervous sometimes to talk about gender differences, although like they absolutely exist. But I think it is important to have open discussion with people that like have the th- same thoughts and different thoughts because the foundation of us as like as a country, as a people, and our freedom is the ability to discuss things openly. The moment a topic becomes undiscussable, we're in danger, right? Yep. Communication is key. That's- yeah in marriage, in your professional space with your kids everywhere, you got to be able to discuss. So how do you, like, how do you take that? Let's talk about communication. So you understand this concept, you know, you've, you're running this, you know, technology org at at this company and uh, have this experience. You have a team, you have direct reports. Uh, how, How do you, you groom them or prepare them for their next step in their career? So that academy is extended to internal employees. Uh, you know, previous to that, we had formal training, and, and we've got lots of types of employees. Right? I, I tend, I'll tend to focus on developers because you know, that's my core. But we've got a huge partnerships team, a huge marketing team, sales team, uh, a strategy team, which covers uh, touches a lot of things, uh, and certainly the the technology team or development team. So we, you know, it's it's funny as an organization, we don't. I, my business card, I don't have a title. Our owners, sure, they're the CEO and president, but um, they're essentially titleless. We don't run on titles here. If there is hierarchy. You do report to someone, right? But we we like to think, I mean, when I started here, the motto was, if you couldn't figure it out in five minutes, send an email, send a blast. Someone will have the answer. There's no reason to spend an hour trying to find it. It's likely that someone else has it. You just don't know yet. So, and that worked. Uh, when I started here, we were about 100 people. Uh, now we're 550 some odd people. And, and a lot of systems have come about since then. We've got our own intranet. We've got, we use Confluence quite a bit in Jira, right? For a lot of internal project management, but also for our client project management, uh, task tracking. But that, that same rule applies, but we just broadcast it on Teams now, right? Where if you can't figure it out, ask someone can help you and for a while the internet helped you know there's a lot of community forums and this and that but here at american Eagle, we just have such a deep bench uh, and great minds that have been here such a long time 
that the answer is almost always right there. That said, as an employee, you can go where you want to go here. So we've had people that maybe start as a front-end developer, and then they, you know, it's, they're just not happy there after three, four years, and they move into project management, or they move into account management, or they move into marketing, right? You're, if you don't feel you're producing value with where you're at, you can just ask, and you will get put in a place that you can help provide more value. So Jerry, our, um, he's our, he oversees our partnerships team. I think he's done every single job here. I, I joke that he was born in the, the server room. I used to say I've been here at Jerry Half-Life because last year, it was my 11th year here, he was here 22 years. So this is his 23rd year. And everybody knows Jerry. And Jerry really depends on everyone here to help make his team a success. Right? It's just a very collaborative, helpful environment. So I'm curious, like, so you've got your team, they will, like, you'll put like your direct reports, not like the company at large, like I'm specifically talking about like your five or so direct reports. And you, you've got a lot of knowledge about how life works and communication and professional experience. Like, what do you do to help them specifically? Do you have like a book club? Do you meet with them? Like, how do you grow them? Yeah. So a lot of it is just candid conversation. So it'll get, it'll, it'll start with, again, going back to what we had talked earlier about what does my day look like? Well, my day is a lot of meetings that are scheduled for sales, internal and otherwise, a lot of emails that come in that I've got to filter through, like everybody else, but it'll often be like a little, it'll start as a small question of how do I, or do you know the best way to, or I have someone who's asking me this. And it'll turn into, well, here are some things that you want to explore. I'll just share some links, maybe some Confluence docs, maybe some client success stories. They'll go off and learn a little bit, and they'll come back and say, hey, can we just put together 30 minutes, an hour of your time to help me learn a little bit more? That's not Those aren't even direct reports. That's just in general. Uh, in the direct report world, uh, we have a weekly meeting. It's actually, it actually was this morning, and it was the first one uh, in a while that I have not attended. But we have a weekly meeting, one hour, where we talk about it's it's talk about what happened in the past week, what's upcoming, and just what's cool. What do we what have we heard in the market that maybe we should keep a pulse on? And we share all this, document all it, and and again, it often turns into a talking track on one on somebody's issue, somebody's new idea, somebody's something, and eventually it becomes something that we we elevate up the chain to our, our leadership. Mike and Tony or Orion on, hey guys, this is something we should probably explore. And then it goes back into that. We'll build a little core group, a little, we call it the team of ninjas to get in there, prototype, get our hands dirty, understand, validate that it's a tool that we should add in our toolbox. And then Jerry's team comes in on the partnership side and he, he hits that hard and starts growing that out. You know, our, our best partners like Oro are really our best partners because of how well we communicate at all levels. We have executive alignment, we have sales alignment, we have implementation team alignment from both sides of the house. So when a customer presents an issue to us, we can work with that partner team to make sure it's done right and effectively. And again, if we don't have the answer, a partner doesn't have it, we've got this unique uh, ability to ask the other members who are working in other spaces, like what's your take on this? And having that difference in perspective is really powerful. 
is they're solving for problems that are just masquerading in a different form for them. It's the same problem, but it just presents a little bit differently. So they've already got the solve. They just got to share it with us. We just have to align on what the little difference is. So when you're like having these candid conversations and helping these people work through life, right? As, as a leader, cause they're leading at 500 plus employees, your direct reports are leading teams. And so if you're pouring into these people and helping them and grow, like, how do you keep yourself full? Like, how do you keep yourself engaged? How do you keep yourself like, inspired and motivated? So one of my fears when I, as I was moving up the ladder was that I would lose touch with how I got to where I am today. Again, that, that fire, that passion of development, like solving problems with code. And I, and I thought, man, if I'm in, in too much of a sales role, I'll never see code again. And so I, I've made it an objective of mine that I keep learning and educating in areas that I'm not fluent in. There's a lot going on with Azure and AWS right now that I've only scratched the surface on and it keeps me busy keeps my wheels turning. The little, you know, 15 minutes here, an hour there that I can put towards it uh, during a given week. But it, 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 it keeps the staleness of everything away. So I'm challenging myself. And then I'm also then depending on my team to help educate me because some of them are, are doing that as well or, or fluent there. And they're, they're helping me. It doesn't matter how we report. We're, we're all equal in that we're learning together. Nice. Yeah. And so like, what's the theme right now that, what are you learning for 2020 as a leader? Oh boy. Um, I, I don't want to give it all away because it's, it's some of the secret sauce uh, in what we're developing. That's how people love you. Yeah. So um, here, here's, so I'm very bullish on a couple things. I'm bullish on B2B first and foremost. And when I say B2B, I mean, not just having a storefront, but really helping your business move to a position where your online storefront is your best sales rep. That's not competing with your traditional sales rep reps. They're supporting it. Platforms like Oral line up well with that, right? So we're, um, we've got several wins under our belt with them. Just launched uh, a site uh, last week with them. We just closed some new business with them yesterday. It's, it's happening with Oral for sure. So I'm very bullish on that particular platform. Headless uh, is another area that I think we're going to tackle a little bit with more precision than we are sort of the shotgun approach that is happening right now with the marketing world of it's, it's king. It, it's, it's really, it's a really good tool for very particular cases in my opinion. And we want to make sure that that is uh, targeted and addressed. Uh, and also Jamstack uh, again, looking at, how it sort of parallels with headless developers nowadays aren't learning necessarily how I learned development and coding and they're not learning the languages or technologies that I learned way back in the day. I grew up in, you know, VB script, classic ASP, uh, ASP.net. I, re I remember when Microsoft came to uh, U of I and they handed out this pamphlet that said drive the .NET gen generation. I mean, I can still envision this little pamphlet. I was orange and, and I was like, yes, yes, we're gonna drive it. And Microsoft is doing incredible things with .NET right now with .NET Core, uh, certainly on the performance side, but also then cross-platform support. But I really, I also feel that's awesome, but 
but there's this whole new wave of, of talent coming that is really well suited for the Jamstack side of the house. And so I, th I think we also have to go where the developers are going right, as a business because that's, they're eventually going to get into organizations and start bringing that perspective of, hey, guys, what are we doing with this old tech? We need to modernize. So if we're all saying the same thing, we would be, we're going to be well positioned. So along those lines, what, what are we doing? Uh, we're doing, we've got some really cool stuff coming out with those, those three technologies, uh, those three concepts, Headless, B2B, and Jamstack maybe sort of put together. Nice. Like as a people leader, what are you learning? Uh, boy, I have to remind myself and uh, I do have to be more humble. Humility is a, a, a virtue that I, I really aspire to be stronger in. Uh, I have to remind myself that, man, I, I know a lot about a lot of things, but man, I, I still don't know a lot about those things. There are, there are definitely things to be learned. And so listen again, listening to the, the feet on the street, mentioned way back at the start of this as a developer, I would, I was always sort of struggling with how sales sold stuff. And now that I'm also on the sales side a lot, um, I've got to remind myself that there's a developer on the other end that is going to be receiving what I have, what I'm selling. And I've got to remind myself that I need to help them out to understand what this is why it was sold. And this is why, this is how we're going to get through it, do this together. So, I guess just being mindful of the little guy that they've got a small voice, but that voice is really very loud and impactful. If you, if you, if you, if you be quiet for a minute and listen to it, it's how really how the world works. I mean, there's a lot of little people doing a lot of great things that become something very powerful. Yep. It's like all the little ants building the, the colony. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's, it certainly is. And so it's, you can really stray from that, especially when momentum hits and, you, you know, excitement builds and you, you can forget those, those beginnings, respectful of that. Yeah. No, this is good, man. I, we made a podcast. How do you feel? Awesome. I hope to do some more of these. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.